gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I, of course, am Mr. Warren Hayes, welcoming you all to the podcast, what we do every Thursday night, where we talk about pro wrestling, and this is where we're at. It is February 24, 2022, and now we're sitting around and talk about professional wrestling right here live on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. We've got so many great, awesome people joining us. Tim Travers here, nice to see you. We've got Mr. Fretz, hello Mr. Fretz, Kelly Tonkis as well. Uh, we've got Justin Firestein, nice to see you. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. We got J.K. Schwal who's here. Uh, William Davis, nice to see you. AK Germany 96. Kristen Ashley, the first lady of the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Yeah. We got, uh, oh, look at this. Ray Tops Vintage Sports Cards. Nice to see you, Ray Tops Vintage Sports Cards. Welcome to the chat. Uh, we've also got, uh, let's see, who else we got? Robert Larry. Did I also say, well, no, hi, Robert Larry. We've got Ben Phantomark82, who's here as well. Flowman is here in the house. Mark Forbes, nice to see you. Oh, my goodness. So many people. We've got Conrad of the Everything Pro Wrestling Podcast, who's here as well. Nice to see you, Conrad. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Scrolling through the list here, making sure I'm not forgetting anyone. At least as much as I can. DGMC, nice to see you. Jason PS3, nice to see you as well. Joe Poulain Jr. and Pluggo of the Between Two Beards podcast is here as well. Nice to see everyone right here joining us live. So if you want to join us live, because it's a good time, you come on over 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central, right here on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. And thank you. Thank you for joining us live. And if you're here already and you enjoyed, hit that like button. Get them likes up. That's always great, and it's especially great if you're watching this later on demand. Uh, that's a very easy way to show some support for the show. Leave a like, leave a comment. Why don't you let me know what you really liked in pro wrestling this week? I like to talk about uh, what people are talking about, what people uh, 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 enjoy in wrestling. I like to exchange. I like to get different opinions. You know, so uh, leave a comment below if you're watching this on demand later. And I'll respond. I promise I'll respond. It might just be a, hey, hey, cool. Or, but I, at the very least, <laughs> I will respond. Um, so there we go. Uh, just awesome stuff. Thank you very much um, for everyone being here. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, you are something else. <laughs> on your commute, you're like, nothing, nothing more calming on a on a Tuesday morning, heading into work, listening to this guy scream about fucking Bill Goldberg, right? <laughs> that that's soothing, right? That that, that you... thank you is what I'm trying to say. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, leave a like, uh, a, a review, a five star review. You can also leave five stars on podcast uh, on Spotify. I mean, plus. On top of it all, on Ooh, top yeah. of it all, if, if you listen to the Mr. Warren Hayes show on Spotify, you also get to see the video. So you can switch between 
video and audio. So you 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 get the full Mr. Warren Hayes experience on your 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 Spotify podcast app. And again, I want to point out, you can't see uh, multi-million dollar recording artist The Weeknd on spot. You can't see him. He doesn't have video. You can't see Daniel Craig. You can't see Juliette Lewis. You know, you can't see any of those. Like, I am owning Hollywood. Keeping them in check is what the Mr. Warren Hayes show is doing. You still have people, you know, who are uh who try to uh counter program Mr. Warren Hitch like the folks over at Terminus tonight. Thank you Jonathan Gresham for putting on your premiere indie show uh on a Thursday night. <laughs> they might try to counter program me but you still you, you can see this face on Spotify no one not not anyone else's. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for listening wherever it is you're listening. I really, really appreciate it. Injection 2K, nice to see you. Welcome very much to the chat. Now, don't forget to head on over to belltobells.com, which is your women's wrestling wire. B-E-L-L-T-O-B-E-L-L-E-S dot com, which is absolutely, positively, 100% the best place to follow the things that are in regards to women's wrestling. <laughs> and follow our YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash bells and our Twitter at bells as well. Keep your eyes on the YouTube. There's some stuff coming. There's, there's, there are things coming. There, there are some things coming up. And it's going to be good. And it's going to be good. Um, This Sunday... Oh, get ready for this. This Sunday, which is going to be February 27, I think, I am going to be joined by the boys from Between Two Beards over on Love Wrestling. Pluggo and Joe Poulin Jr., JPJ, they're going to be joining me this Sunday for an AEW Revolution preview and prediction show. It's going to be outstanding. Revolution is going to be a great card. You want to you want to make sure that you're you're up to date and that you understand why it's going to be a great card. You come and join me for that. You're come you're going to, you have to come and join me for that this Sunday. Keep your eyes out for the If you look, if you're a subscriber to the Mr. Warren Hayes show channel already or to any of your podcast stuff, you'll get it. It'll just pop into your feeds and be like, "Hot diggity damn, let's 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 go listen to this." I'm excited. I know Pluggo's excited. I know uh, J- J- JPJ's excited as well because it, 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 it's an exciting show that's coming up. So make make sure that you're you're with us on Sunday or at least for the replay after. Join the Mr. Warren Hayes Show Discord. It's a good place to have some fun talking about pro wrestling. Um, I got t-shirts over on whatofmaneuver.net. Don't forget that. Uh, and uh, support for the show. Here's how you can support the show. The cheapest, easiest way. I said it to begin with. A like on the video, a comment on the uh, on the um, on demand. That's it's an easy way. Super super easy way to show some support. You want to go a little further? Become a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel. And if you become a member, 
you then have access to the member uh the members only streams that we do on friday nights 7 p.m eastern 6 central what do we do on these post these posts uh, these uh, the, uh, members only streams we chat about wrestling amongst ourselves i dive i keep a, my focus on the chat the live chat on youtube live chat in the discord plus we also take calls from the discord so if you want to continue talking have a good time with the community come on in and i'm telling you if i will probably be doing wrestling mad libs tomorrow if you're listening to this on on the thursday for the friday if you're listening to this live mad libs wrestling mad libs who doesn't want who doesn't like a good a good mad lib? I don't know who doesn't like that, but that's what we'll be doing. Come and join me. It'll be a good time. Another way to show some support for the Mr. Warren Hey Show is to leave a super chat. And I will read your question or comment live and on the air. And we've already got a couple here that we can talk about. First of all, Anakin JMT, nice to see you. Welcome to the chat. Left a super chat. Says uh, taking bets on how long until Warren has a stroke. There's, I, I think, like, there should be a pool. <laughs> there should be a betting pool open at this point. Um, I've, I've notified the members of the Discord to make sure to keep an eye on the left side of my face, just so that in case it starts slow, slooping, uh, that someone can, uh, can alert the uh, appropriate authorities. <laughs> it's always interesting. Thank you very much for the super chat, Anakin. Uh, vape Ross, vape. I'm still a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Thank you very much. Member for 11 months. Thank you very much for that. And he says, Logan Paul greater than Luthez. Well, look. <laughs> Here's the thing. From what I saw, uh, Logan Paul can, uh, can hit an extremely... A devastating uh, 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 skull-crushing finale on uh, on on a uh, on a very veteran on a very rookie wrestler. Uh, it, did I see that right? Like he f he dropped Dominic on his face on Monday, right? Isn't that what he did? I mean, I've never seen Luthez do that, so you know he he already has Logan Paul already has one up on Luthez right there. Thank you very much for this for for your uh for your membership. Vape Ross Vape, I appreciate it. And JK Schwal left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says support belt to belts. Yes! Support it! B double L T O B double L E Yes dot com on Twitter, on YouTube, Bell to Bells. Thank you for that, man. I appreciate it. Want to say hello to Carlito Caribbean Cool? Good to see you. Uh, and uh, I think we're at the. Uh, I, I think we're at the point here. Yeah, this is this is where we're at right now. Um, it's my weekly uh, New Year's resolution, ongoing. Here is uh, something else. It's part of the uh, fifty-two things. Nice, fifty-two nice things I have to say about Bill Goldberg. Here we go. At least Goldberg didn't make MJF cry when he quit the business.
I said, I said my, th- I said the nice, I one nice thing a week per goal for Goldberg, right? I said it, right? Did you all guys and gals and non-binary pals, happy birthday, Carlito, by the way. Did you all see, uh, 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 um, um, he, him comparing himself to Mike Tyson? Did y'all see this? He's like this this guy, right? The, this the, the, this 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 dude, his podcast, right? And it, it, let me read the quote for you, okay? Like it, it's not as it, it's not as um. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not it's not as cut and dry saying I'm the Mike Tyson of you know, with the context here. Look, let me read this. <laughs> here is Bill Goldberg quote. I was the Mike Tyson of wrestling. My goal was to be something completely different. Black tights, black shoes. I didn't freaking talk for six months. I just squished motherfuckers. That's my job. That's what I do. That's what I did when I was younger. Now, I just try to, but I didn't want to be the chain wrestler. I... Oh, I didn't want to emulate anybody. Now, granted, the Road Warriors and Nikita Koloff and Brody were extremely influential to me. Hawk was extremely influential to me. So I took little aspects of what they did and I applied it to my idea of the character. Guys, are you ready for this? Are you are you ready for this? You listening? Okay. I had MMA moves. A lot of them in the beginning. End quote. (laughs) Oh, there is so much wrong with this quote. He wanted to be different from everyone else. Black tights, black shoes, black boots. Folks, chat. You guys know this. Y'all are smart. You're smart wrestling fans. And in the sense that you're intelligent, not like, you know, being smart to the business. I mean, like, actually having something something up in your brain here. Uh, who in those, in that era, 1995, 1996, who was a bald wrestler with a goatee that wore black tights and black boots that was around before old Bill decided... Who was, who did, who did that? <laughs> who was around doing that? When, I, I fucking love it. He's like, I, I came up with this. The, no one else was doing it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to emulate anyone. But I had MMA moves, a lot of them in the beginning. I, I, this just, bl- can you imagine? I, I want someone to send me footage of Bill Goldberg out of the power plant uh, locking in Kimuras on people, right? I want him to put out, to start, I want to see footage of Bill Goldberg doing Jijikatamis on people. That he, my God. This was, this made my week. This was a funny, funny, funny quote. So much. 
God, oh, God bless his heart, though. God bless his poison heart. Let's get into the weekend wrestling. The weekend? No, not yet. The weekend? The weekend? You can't see him on Spotify. You can't see him. I don't know if you heard about this this revelatory news. The Undertaker is going to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Uh congratulations to The Undertaker, right? For uh for this achievement for <laughs> Look, uh, look. Okay. It, I I I was a bit I don't know how to put this. Taken aback, I guess, at the the, the 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 types of response that Taker being a part of the the Hall of Fame generated, right? What it what it created, the type of the the, the types. Because I saw tons of people going out there, it's like, oh my God, what an honor! Congratulations, Taker, the well deserved. As if, as if this was like, you know, surprising. You know, it's as if like, you know, it's, it's like kind of like Vince Russo being inducted into the, the the Hall of Fame, and you're like, wow, people, congratulations, Vince, and it's like it's the Undertaker. Not not to take anything away from his accomplishments, from 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 who is, but like. This was a done deal years ago. Like the minute, maybe not the minute that the that the Hall of Fame was started, but you, you, I, you're everyone was like, you know, it's like Undertaker's going to be in the Hall of Fame. This is inevitable. It's like when John Cena gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. Are we gonna go, wow, John, what an honor? It's like, no, of course, because we understand how the Hall of Fame works. It's not like it's not like if if Undertaker had to, uh, had to, uh, 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 like, lobby this group of independent wrestling uh, 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 experts or, you know, pundits to get into this Hall of Fame. It's Vince. It's whoever's on good terms with Vince, whoever made Vince a lot of money. That's who gets into the Hall of Fame. There was no, was anyone shocked? Seriously, Chad, I'm asking you. Are you were you shocked? I the, the response to it was just flabbergasted me. It was like no one more deserving. It's like yes, yes, but it's the Undertaker. He is going to be in in the World Wrestling Entertainment Hall of Fame. Like there's like it, it's going to be the same for The Rock. If he maintains good relationship, a good relationship with Vince, right? It's the same thing with John Cena. It's going to be the same thing with Roman Reigns, with Seth Rollins. Like, these are all people who are going to inevitably be in the Hall of Fame. Now, if they had inducted Jeff Hardy, I would have, holy shit. Like, that's a holy shit moment. But Jesus Christ. Calm down, folks. 
or it's I also, I'm also you know I also understand that there's there's a lot of younger people you know on uh, on Twitter on you know rest in wrestling communities who maybe you know aren't haven't been exposed for as long as I have who don't have like you know the full background and don't understand necessarily the intric the intricacy so maybe they're like wow the hall a hall of fame induction for the undertaker wow it's like but mm, of course like it's a, it's a it's it's a, it's a big deal right it's a big deal what a, see and i i right, look dolph ziggler absolutely miz 100% aj styles 100% like these are all guys that are going to go in it's, it, it, these aren't shockers to us you know it's just like you know what? I'll the last time I was legitimately surprised, legitimately surprised at a at an at an inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame was Jushin Thunder Liger. When he retired, the year he retired, WWE was like, "He's we got a spot for you." And he wrestled one match in WWE. <clears throat> but Liger, Liger is a 100%, 100% true to form legend. Not in the WWE definition of legend. He is an absolute true to form legend in the business of wrestling. Reinvented at the very foundations of a of a new style of lightweight wrestling. He's at the he's at the very essence of it. So when they when they inducted him, I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. Because ultimately, I, and this is what I said back then, and this is what I'm going to say today, I don't think that you can have any kind of wrestling Hall of Fame and not have Jushin Thunder Liger in it. I don't. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't make sense. But ultimately, you know, Liger, my, the point that I'm making here is that I was stunned. I was like, holy shit. That's fantastic. Good for him. You know? You know, the, the, but the Hall of Fame is what it is. You know, the, people get inducted multiple times. You know, Ric Flair is a two-time Hall of Fame inductee and so is uh, Hogan, I guess. Right? And it's, it's like, it's stupid. Like, ultimately, it's just, it's just, it's it's just weird. But listen, the career of uh, of the Undertaker is bar none impressive, and uh, and in and about itself, that is Hall of Fame worthy. You know, like he's he's a guy who wrestled in the eighties. You know, his first uh, his first title, his first World Championship title, nineteen eighty nine. The USWA Unified World Heavyweight Championship, which he took from Jerry Lawler. And uh, yeah, like I said, in uh, 89. Then, of course, the big debut in 1990, Survivor Series, as uh, Ted DiBiase's big uh, big shock, you know, the, the mystery teammate for the Million Dollar Team. And in 19, a year later... He wins the he he wins the 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 WWF World Title off of uh, Hogan at Survivor Series. It made him the youngest 
WWF champion at the time. WrestleMania 7 was his first WrestleMania win that then would mark the 21 and uh, the, the 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 21 victory streak afterwards which became legendary like there's a lot of stuff that Undertaker contributed his longevity I think is what makes him so appealing the fact that he has been able to reinvent himself cuz here's one thing which is entirely on Mark Calloway, the fact that he has been able to reinvent himself and continue being who he is over the years, despite having a goofy gimmick, that's a testament to something. And he's been involved in goofy shit. He's been involved in his fair share of goofy shit. Like, I, you know, I'm thinking of you know, the fake Undertaker, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm thinking of the ministry bullshit. Because that was, a, guys, gals, non-binary, nine, non-binary pals. The ministry of darkness stuff was a lot of bullshit. It really was. It's the kind of thing that today we'd all be going, what the fuck is this shit? But he made it work. He made it happen. So he was involved. And when you think about it, just just think about it. The whole... And I know people... I know it's a sacred cow for so many people. But the Kane and Undertaker stuff, it's your brother. He's a mute. You burned him in a fire. You killed your parents. Wait a second, Paul Bearers. King the dad and... Don't come to me with a serious face sticking up for that kind of shit because it it's still wild to this day. It's still wild. It When you take a second to think about it, remove the nostalgia glasses, sit back and think about these stories. You're like, how is this anything close to, to, to pertinent in a professional wrestling ring, right? And again, I understand that these things are sacred cows to a lot of WWE fans and okay, that's fine. And it did create some memorable moments, some good matches. The Brothers of Destruction tag team, which is another nice little sacred cow. That's fine. But Taker, man, look, it's his worth his work ethic, his longevity, his leadership that made him a figure amongst wrestlers. And I think that there's a lot of how fans venerate Taker that has to do with wrestlers saying nice things about him, putting him over like that, calling him the locker room leader, you know, being a guy who mentored a lot of them. I think there's a lot of that that comes across as opposed to necessarily, you know, it's not like he was the king of the five-star match. I'm not trying to disparage what he did, but... You know, we're not going to remember Undertaker for the uh, uh, for the uh, uh, incessant quality of his matches. We're not necessarily going to Hall of Fame him because of his uh, stellar drawing power either. I don't think like he was an attraction. He was a uh, he was uh, instrumental in many many ways. And I think I think I think his longevity and the not the, the the nostalgia that people remember 
help him uh, help him be help him be remembered in the position that he is today that he is like one of the one of the all-time greats you know and and that's fine because everyone has you know different criteria and so on and so forth and that's I'm completely okay with that but at the same time we sort of have to I think I I I think the the more you think about Undertaker's career, the more you're like, this is interesting. This is because there's a lot of interesting stuff about his in-ring career where when you look at it objectively, you're like, this it's so wild that this guy is at is considered like at the pinnacle of what WWE has to offer, right? Lightning in the bottle, you know. Rocky, The Rock, Steve Austin, Taker. Those are capsules in time. These are moments that if you... Characters, people, call them what you want. If you try to recreate them, you won't be able to recapture that same magic because because just all the elements were there. Everything just clicked. Everything connected. Some news happened today. I don't know if you heard... Some rather big, stunning news first broke by Pro Wrestling Insider, WWE superstar (laughs) Cesaro is gone from WWE. He's gone. Cesaro is now Claudio again, and he's gone. Let me read the article from PW Insider. WWE star Cesaro has quietly exited WWE after his current contract expired. He last performed for WWE on um, 2-11. That's uh, uh, February 11. Because, yeah. Because in the rest of the world, we put the, the date before the month. Whatever. Uh, on February 11th, losing to Happy Corbin on an episode of Friday... Night Smackdown. We are told the two sides had been in negotiate had been in negotiations, but had not come to terms on a new agreement. One source noted that WWE did offer Cesaro an extension on his current deal, but that it was turned down. This would be a case of Cesaro's contract expiring, so there would be no 90-day non-compete. Cesaro has been slated to be at tomorrow's SmackDown taping in Hershey, Pennsylvania. On the day that, of course, we're talking on the Thursday, so for Friday, SmackDown. But will obviously no longer be there as his deal expired earlier this week. Cesaro, 41, had been with the WWE since 2011 when he dinked it. When he dinked. What's wrong with me? I think the stroke is coming, boys and girls and everyone in between. Cesaro, 41, had been with the WWE... Had been with WWE since 2011 when he inked a developmental deal with then WWE Developmental Territory Florida Championship Wrestling. Over the course of his run with the company, Cesaro won the first ever Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania 30, and had a run in with uh, and had a run with the WWE United States Championship as well as Raw and SmackDown title runs. Uh, tag title runs with Sheamus, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Tyson Kidd. 
He defeated Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 37 in Tampa uh, last year. So, uh, as as a longtime Cesaro fan, I 100% welcome the news of Cesaro finally freeing himself from the Fed um, and going off and doing his own thing. Now, here's what I find interesting. Here's what I find really, really interesting. Now, we're coming up to WrestleMania season, right? In March, so on and so forth. Now, I'm thinking back. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking this over and it's like, okay, so Cesaro, this is what the, the article said. They had been in negotiations, right? Uh, he, uh, he had, um, other reports had come up saying that Cesaro, uh, had, uh, already given like a, 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 an extra year had tacked down an option, a one year option on his contract last year. Now, what did, what did WWE do with Cesaro last year? They had him beat Seth Rollins. You remember that? That kind of push that he got, you remember that? Defeated Seth Rollins, you know, they were leaning hard into the swing, right? You remember that one episode of SmackDown where all they would do was, was show, you know, like, you know, tape of Cesaro doing the big swing and they just, you were, you were like, oh shit, they're really leaning into it, right? And then he gets his match with Roman Reigns because in the meantime, you have Daniel Bryan who's mobilizing, like, before this, you know, he's like, these are the guys I want to fight with. I want to fight with Cesaro. I want Cesaro to get a, a push. You remember all of this? And then it ends up with a match with Roman Reigns, which by the way, his match that he had with Roman Reigns last year in 2021, is probably one of my, it, well, it is in my top three favorite WWE matches of the year. Just go back and watch it. It is absolutely fantastic. He's amazing. He's really, really something else. So <laughs> you end up, so so you look back at the situation, and you're like, look at what they did. They said, look, sign with us again. And look, this is what we'll do. We'll give you a push. You'll get the big WrestleMania win. We'll give you a match with Roman. We'll, we'll elevate you. We'll put you in the top spot. I'm, I'm convinced. This is what happened. I'm 100% certain. Well, let's say 90%. I, you know, I wasn't there. But I'm convinced that this was put on the table is what I'm trying to say. I think WWE told Cesaro, dude, we got you. We're going to give you all of this. And then he loses to Roman, right? Then what happens? He's just dropped, dropped back down. So he's a year later, because we're up to a year. His contract expired this week. The timeline fits. His contract last year, he he picks up the 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 the, the extra year, the the option for an extra year. He's like, we'll see how this goes. Well, he says right now, he's like, they're not doing, they're doing jack shit with me. They're doing absolute jack shit with me right now. Why would I stay? boy's gone I'd hit the bricks too now we don't know what they offered we don't know what kind of money 
clearly he turned down whatever money they were throwing at him. Good for him. Now the question is, of course, per usual, when these situations come up, what is he going to do? What's next for Cesaro? Claudio at this point. We're back back to calling him Claudio, which I'm completely comfortable with. Um, now, this is first and foremost assuming that he wants to continue in pro wrestling, right? That's always the... that That's the first and foremost thing that we have to wonder. Maybe he's just done. We've, we know of wrestlers who got... Who, got the love of wrestling sucked out of them by WWE. We know this. Sitting around and catering and doing nothing and not having faith in them. This this is a thing that happens, right? But Cesaro, you know, he's been friends with, you know, Ty, you all know the up, up, down, down situation, right? With uh, Xavier Woods and Adam Cole and Tyler Breeze. Look who's gone. Tyler Breeze is off, you know, he's, handling his school he's got his thing adam cole over in aew just doing fantastic right he's going to be challenging he's got a world title shot lined up right cesaro's like what the fuck am i doing what am i doing you know the party's gone there's nothing really keeping him there so we can first and foremost ask ourselves well is he going to continue in wrestling? I I hope that he will. I hope that he will. And you know, I I I can't sit down and tell you with a straight face. I hope AEW signs him. I don't. I don't because like if there was a dream scenario where like. You know, there's no roster bloat and there was room for everyone and be like, let's go. Let's just fucking go. Put him in AEW. Have him... Res but here's what I... This is where I think Cesaro uh, will shine here. You know, I'm convinced the guy's not an idiot. I'm convinced he managed his money well. He's probably... He, we know he has side ventures. You know, in the coffee and stuff like that. We, we know that. We know all of that. He's going to be picky about what he what he can do. This is a guy that the independents are just waiting for him with open arms because he has always been a hardcore wrestling darling. The hardcore fans have always loved Cesaro, have always been 100% behind him. If this guy decides to hit the indies running, he can be booked two, three nights every weekend if he wants. Without a shadow of a doubt. He's he he's a marquee attraction. He is a draw wherever he goes from this point on. No matter where he goes. Because it is only in in world wrestling entertainment does a guy like Cesaro not come across as a star. They, there's that's the only place on God's green flat earth. That a guy like Cesaro is treated like a mid-carder? Like a guy that you can easily turn to and say, sorry man, creative's got nothing for you. Because everywhere else, they're salivating for a guy like him. A true prototype of a professional wrestler, a tough guy, a nice guy from what you understand on top of that. That any locker room would be tripping over themselves 
to have in with them. But of course, WWE don't realize what they have on their hands. Uh, per usual, right? It's the, it's the MO these days. They don't realize what, what what they have going for them. So it's like, all right, we're going to, uh, we're good. And Cesaro has been waffling for years. I loved the bar run. I, and because you weren't expected to love it. But he and Sheamus worked fantastically together. Their run as a team was amazing. And that legitimately for me is the highlight of his, uh, of his career in WWE. Despite the fact... And it's not as if WWE hadn't created opportunities for Cesaro to get over... It's not as if the audience wasn't ready to cheer for him. Do you remember when he won the first Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal? And he scooped up Paul White and dumped him over the top rope? The place came unglued. But no, no follow-up, no follow-through. We don't have time for you on the Monday after WrestleMania for you. No, 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 no. Like, they don't capitalize on that shit. The night that he... Uh, that it, well, it, wait, no, they did capitalize it because then he dumped Zeb Coulter to become a Paul Heyman guy and people just like freak the fuck out. But nothing comes out of this shit. He wasn't, he wasn't one of the golden ones. He wasn't one of the selected few. They told him to hit the bricks. Fascinating shit to me. Absolutely fascinating. But, look, as much as I think that Cesaro can have, I wouldn't call it, I, I wouldn't call it a, um, I wouldn't call it a career revival. I wouldn't call it that. A, a reconnection, let's say, with, with, with pro wrestling and with pro wrestling fans. I think it's easy for him to go out there and um, to go out there into into the wild uh, into the wild indie market and like I said get booked everywhere every, every there's promoters already fucking calling them and you know this but I can't help but wonder quite unfortunately to a certain degree I can't help but wonder have we missed Cesaro at his peak. Because he, again, and, and I'm not disparaging. He's 41 years old. One would assume that one's peak, physical peak, is a few years before that. I, I legitimately think that we missed out on Cesaro at his physical peak in his 30s. Because WWE had him benching. Because they had him in a tag team. They never let him really grow. Never let him take off properly. I think the window of peak Claudio was missed. Because WWE told him to sit down. Definitely not saying that he can't go anymore. Definitely not saying, oh, he's washed up, he can't go anymore, he's broken. That's not what I'm saying. But I'll be excited to see what he's doing. 
I'll be excited to see him wrestle with the shackles off. But somehow, just in the in my gut, I feel like we've been cheated out of prime Cesaro, of prime Claudio. I really do. And I think that's what bothers me the most. Because it's one thing to sit around here and say, oh, WWE didn't know better. But it pisses me off. Because he, he, he is slash was one of these generational talents. He is a guy that just comes once every 10 years or so. You're just like, this guy is a freak of nature. Strong, fast, athletic. He can do it all. And because he didn't, because Vince thought he, he talked funny or I don't know. Just that one idiosyncrasy that Vince just gets buried in his mind and then he just never lets go of. We were cheated out of Prime Cesaro and that 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 fucking pisses me off. Just a little peek behind the curtain here. I don't watch NXT anymore. I can't. It it's I'm this it is a wrestling program that is not made for me. If you find enjoyment, if you like the product that is NXT 2.0 right now, I have no qualms with you. That's fine. But like I look at that and it, it just it does not speak to me. And it does not, it's not something that appeals to me in what I'm trying to get out of pro wrestling, right? That's all. The 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 the, the wrestling community just went on fire when she debuted, right? Because of her gear. Because of how she looked. And if you've seen the picture... Look, y'all can seek out the pictures. They're easy to find. You go on the Google machine. You search for Nikita Lyons NXT debut. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about if you're a little in the dark right now. And everyone is... They're, everyone is losing their minds. They're, they, like, I, they are legitimately going nuts over this chick. Who, by the way, I've previously known as Faith the Lioness in WoW Superheroes of Wrestling. You know, Women of Wrestling, the Dave McClain. She wrestled for Dave McClain a couple of years back as Faith the Lioness. Or just simply the Lioness. Now, I've seen Nikita Lyons packaging, like her, her shitty rap and her story about... How her father was a rock star and her mother was a groupie, which is, this is not something you talk, you don't say that your mother was a groupie. That's not this, I, look, like her presentation is shit, okay? I still think it's shit. But I'm seeing her and I'm looking, and every, every, the only thing people can rave about is her gear and, and, and her butt. That's that's all I hear, and people are drooling. They're salivating. They're like, you know, they're they're calling their they're calling their pastors, their priests, their rabbis for guidance and what to do next. <laughs> like, so I'm like, and, I, and I'm seeing this. I'm like, can she go? This because ultimately that's all that matters. It's all to me. It's all that matters. Like. If she has the presentation, plus if she can go, that's amazing. So I went back 
and I watched her match. I, I pulled it up and I was like, I'll give it a I'll give it a go. Now, what I saw in this match were arm drags, arm locks, a sunset roll. I saw a roundhouse kick. I saw some some poor strikes. I saw a German suplex and a spinning heel kick. And then that uh that that split-legged cover that she does, right? That got everyone. That was the that was the photograph, right? <sighs> so I look at her wrestle and I'm like, this is not a big deal. She's there, like, I I did not see anything special. And her presentation is so weird because she comes in and she's she's doing this. She's got a guard up, you know, and she she's like, oh, okay, is she like, is she like an MMA fighter? Is she like, cause is she gonna is she gonna shoot fight? Like, is this what is this her thing? Not really. And her strikes are terrible. So I'm looking at this. And I'm looking at the reaction, and I'm like, once again, WWE proves to us. If they don't, it's not about the wrestling. The wrestling is is an impediment. It's a it's a hindrance. It is. It's all about the moments. That's what WWE wants you to get into. It's the moment. Because I saw tons of WWE fans, people that I like too, who are very very much into the product. Who are tweeting at her and is like, what a great debut, you look fantastic, so on and so forth. And I'm like, this was a very, outside of her presentation of what she looks like, which is uh, eye-catching, <laughs> to put it mildly. She, I didn't see any spark of genius. I did. She had a, a fine debut, but I'm kind of like, well, this is it. WWE doesn't give a shit if I thought that her strikes were poor. Doesn't give a shit if she, you know, if she did a German suplex or a stalling suplex. Like, they don't care. That's not what they're there for. What WWE wanted was the reaction that happened on Twitter. And that's all they wanted. And that's what they're going to get with Nikita Lyons. Because by God, they're going to lean into that. They're going to lean into it really, really hard. It's WWE's not about the matches anymore. And, 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 and it's been a while like this. I've pointed it out before, but the, 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 the train continues here. When they're going to induct uh, Undertaker into the Hall of Fame, they're going to talk about two matches. They're going to talk about three matches. They're going to talk about his Hell in a Cell with Hunter. Hell in a Cell with uh, um, uh, 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 Shawn Michaels and uh, the Hell in a Cell with uh, Mick Foley. But they're not going to talk about his body of work. They're not going to go deep into that. They're going to talk about then the moments. Then the, the motorcycle biker taker, you know, and um, the transition with Paul Bearer and, oh, you know, oh, he did casket matches. But they're not going to talk about the matches. Because Undertaker is all about moments. And it's the same thing. It's going to be the same thing with Nikita Lyons moving forward. Nikita Lyons, Nikita Lyons is not going to be about the wrestling. It's going to be about the look, the presentation, the feel. There's nothing wrong with that because that is an integral part of pro wrestling. Your presentation, the way that you handle yourself, the way that you are packaged will help you get over or not. And whatever Nikita Lyons needs to do to get herself over, more this all the all the the, the 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 strength to her, all the more power to her, 
whatever advantages she can use to make sure that she stand, stands out from the pack and, you know, survives the next uh, wave of cuts, good for her. If that's how she, if that's how she ends up proving herself, uh, if that's how she ends up proving herself useful for the company, creating moments, getting buzz, you know, that Grayson Walker, is that what his name is? You know, where he's like, it's all about, uh, it's, it's not about ratings. It's about views or whatever. He's not wrong. But this, that's the thing with WWE now is that I, 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 I look at a wrestle and I'm like, I don't get it. Yes, she's, you know, appealing. She's got sex appeal. What are you going to do? And I'll tell you what, it's the same thing, same way I felt when they debuted Jade Cargill in W in AEW. Same thing. I'm like, okay, you're putting over the fact that, and she looks the part. Sure, can she wrestle? Ah, uh, she's improving though. I'm gonna talk about it in a little bit. She's getting fucking better at it, and that's cool and all. Like I said, presentation in wrestling is <clears throat> what <clears throat> seven tenths, eight tenths of the deal. It's worth. It, it, there's a lot, you know. There's a lot that uh, that has to go through here. But I'm. T I. I. It. What the Nikita Lions thing serves to prove to me is that WWE is absolutely 100% going in a direction that I do not care about. I absolutely don't care about what they're doing moving forward. And I think it's and on the flip side, I think they're they're devaluing their women's division. I think they're losing focus on what made the women's division interesting and fun and good. That's for a whole other podcast. Hey, hope everyone's having a good time. If you just joined, like, give us a like. Those thumbs up. Leave a comment if you're watching the video on demand. Tell me what you think about Nikita Lyons. What do you think about Nikita Lyons? You like it? You not like it? Do you like butts? Because if you like butts, you're, you're fine. <laughs> ah! Was um, this weekend was the Noah Game Control in Nagoya show, um, where um, pro wrestling Noah's uh, was a pretty big event, um, where we had Kazuyuki Fujita defeating uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima to become the brand new GCH World Heavyweight Champion, which is of course the Big Noah title in a super strong, very, very strong match. Uh, very, very violent. Just like I like them. Lots of strikes. And by God, they both of these guys laid into each other. And especially Nakajima, who has these incredible kicks. Just absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, unrelenting strikes throughout it all, you know. His kicks are lethal. 
And, you know, it would destroy a lesser man, such as myself. <laughs> Fujita gets the win here with a powerbomb and a punt to the head. Another powerbomb and he folds Nakajima over and wins. Now, why am I talking about this specifically? And the rest of the show is pretty good, but uh, specifically about the main event here. Um, Kazuyuki Fujita is a is a 51-year-old veteran of wrestling. And here he is popping into Noah and getting a title, picking off the title off of um of Nak off of Nakajima, who is in his early to mid-30s, I do believe. And this is exposing a lot of problems that the booking in Noah has these days. Now, and, and I'm coming in this with a rather fresh pair of eyes. As I mentioned, like I am a fairly new viewer of Noah. I started watching Noah late, uh, late 2021, um, you know, with the, via the, the Wrestle Universe service, which is fantastic, by the way, just an absolutely great value. Um, but I started watching through the, through that. Um, did some research. Uh, listen to a lot of people who are really into Noah's like, well, these are the matches you should be watching. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to get acquainted with uh, Kaiji Muto, you know, the great Muda, his title run last year, which was, which, which was very controversial in certain Noah fan circles. And I would, you know, like I wanted to immerse myself. So I'm coming in here with a fresher pair of eyes where I get, when I started watching, <clears throat> you know, you have, uh, you have, uh, like I said, Katsuhiko Nakajima, who is the, the world champion. You've got Keno, who is another fantastic wrestler. He's the national champion, right? Like the guy underneath. This is this is the situation when I'm when I'm watching. I'm seeing these guys go to war. And Noah, if you look, if you are the type of person who likes their wrestling to look as brutal. And uncompromising as possible. You want it to look and feel like a sport. You want it to, you want it to send shivers up and down your spine when they start striking. This is the promotion for you, much more than New Japan these days, which is wild to me. But Noah, that's that's what I go to get in Noah these days. Where I'm like, this fucking rules. These guys are laying into each other. They're just kicking the shit out of each other, chopping the shit out of each other. This is a, this is awesome. This is what I want. So I'm excited and I get into it and and the the thing here is the the the, the I come in to to these guys super charismatic like is it Nakajima Keno super charismatic and they both end up losing their titles this year within the first quarter of the month Keno lost his title and uh, here's the thing it's this now we're starting to get leaks we're starting to get reports we're starting to get News coming out of the Noah locker room that, you know, the old guard, the old guys who are in there, the vets, the respected veterans like Fujita, like Muto, are playing the, well, this isn't going to work for me card. You know, this isn't going to work for me, brother. That's what they're pulling out. It's like, yo, we'd like you to, you to lose to this guy. No, I'm not losing to that guy. Which ultimately only ends up hurting the business. It only ends up hurting your your, your promotion. I'm going to read off some stuff here that was picked off of um, 
that 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 was picked off. Yes, I picked it off because I I got the 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 stuff here from uh, Voices of Wrestling, who are very much connected with uh with the Japanese scene. Um, Fujita's GHC title victory over Nakajima was both a planned move and also a change of plans at the same time. Fujita had been earmarked to win the title from Nak- from Nakajima for months with Noah's long-term plan to headline the April 29 and 30 back-to-back Sumo Hall shows with a Fujita title defense on night one and a Kaiji Muto uh, uh, title defense on night two. Kaiji Muto would have had the national title and Fujita, the, the world title. Both men would then win, which would set up a title for title match at the August Budokan show, which would see Muto defeat Fujita and claim both titles. Now, I've talked about Kaiji Muto a couple of times on the stream, since uh, on the podcast, since I've started watching Noah. Kaiji Muto, the great Muda, a legend in the business. But... 60, oh, he's over 60, 61, 62 years old, can't quite remember, he's got no more knees, he's got not even close to the mobility that he once had, he's completely done, like he's done, he gets gassed out of nothing, he he does elbow drops that people sell like, um, uh, like a cinder block has been dropped on their head, well, in the meantime, they'll be on the mid card, Chopping, getting the shit chopped out of each other, uh, out of themselves, uh, uh, getting the, sh- the shit ch- chopped out of them, there we go, thank you, Warren, uh, by another dude, and they'll be like fighting back and standing, but Kajimuto drops an elbow, and you're, you're dead, are you fucking kidding me? But here's the here's the here's the ticket. Here's the thing, and here's the explanation. This is why Muto got a, a, a title reign this year, and this is clearly why they're setting up Fujita here as well. Noah was displeased with the January Budokan attendance, with the Nakajima Goshiozaki main event drawing roughly one thousand less fans than the Shiozaki Muto main event from a year earlier, with Buka Buka with Booker Nasawa Rangai concluding that Muto versus Fujita was the biggest possible match the company could put together for the return in August. These plans went up in flames, because I, and I talked about this on the podcast, when Muto, after announcing his intentions to pursue the national title, was forced out with a hip injury. With no possibility of Muto being ready for a match against Fujita in time for August, the Fujita GHC title win was then called off. In the meantime, Mudo m- m- in the meantime, Mudo refused to drop the title to Nakajima, but he agreed to drop it to Marufuji, who's a guy who has a lot of tenure, right? And Noah. So he dropped it to Mar- to Marufuji, who then in turn dropped it to Nakajima. So Marufuji was just there to buffer to be a transitional champion, which is absolute bullshit, right? Let's continue. When informed of the booking change, Fujita refused to job for Nakajima. This led to a major blow-up and with few alternatives. Rangai ultimately reverted to his original plan and put the title on Fujita anyway. It was noted to us, us being the voice of wrestling guys, that Fujita had previously refused to job for a number of other opponents. This includes Keno! 
which forced an unplanned national title change last year that set off a domino effect of booking moves to get the title back to where wrong guy wanted it. It's wild. Muto has refused to do jobs as well. After initially agreeing to put over uh, Kaito Kiyomiya in the N1 tournament, Muto changed his mind last minute, which became a problematic situation since tournament points and advancements were all laid out well in advance. And, and, and you have to do that in a tournament situation. That's what you do. Muto eventually agreed to a draw. Muto also, quote-unquote, lost his temper and blew up on Kendokation works in the booking office when informed he would be dropping the GHC title to Nakajima describing it as a disrespectful suggestion and refusing to lose Muto later dropped the title to Naomichi Marufuji exactly what I'm talking what I told you guys and then uh, Masakatsu Funaki is also picking up a rep for refusing to lose to certain opponents and turning down booking ideas he finds unsuitable by the way Masakatsu Funaki another old guy beat Keno, the national champion, in January this year by rolling it up like in a two-minute match, which is absurd. The veteran wrestlers refusing to job has become a major talking point in the locker room. One member of Congo, which is the, like the, I guess the bullet club, the the chaos, the like the big faction in, 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 in Noah. And the Congo guys, cool as hell. Cool as hell. One member of Congo noted to us that Nakajima has become increasingly frustrated with constant changes of plan. A second locker room source described the Fujita Rongai blow up as a big fight, going on to say that, quote, everyone is talking about it today. <sighs> Again, as a guy who's coming in Fresh eyes comes in with Nakajima and Keno at the top of the heap. And you're like, these guys rule. These guys rule. They're charismatic. They fucking go. They fought each other at the like it's you're like, I this is this is the kind of promotion I'm tuning into. This is what I want. Like Nakajima and, and, and Keno had one of my favorite matches last year in a 60-minute draw, a time limit draw. Just fantastic shit. And now I'm, I'm tuning in and I'm getting two-minute squash matches and I'm getting fucking uh, old-timers who don't want to do the job? Like, what is Noah? Why aren't they banking on, like, the talent that, they, that can go and that actually works in the style that the whole promotion is built upon? Which is strong style, violent, strikes. This is wild to me. Yeah, yes, DGMC is absolutely right. This sounds insane to be happening in a major wrestling promotion in 2022. I think, but the problem is, and it was pointed out here, but I need to underscore it. Because this was pointed out to me by multiple Noah fans. The Muto championship run draw bigger gates systematically in 2021 and then they had done before and 
Noah is in Japan. You guys at this point, yeah, I've, I've talked about it a little, uh, uh, enough. You know, the restrictions are still there. Very heavy handed. So what are we going to do next? It's like, well, we have to, we have to get as many butts in the seats as possible. So if this is what it takes, this is what it takes. But it's wild that I'm going to look at a, I'm looking at a Japanese promotion, kind of like what DGMC said in the chat. I look at a Japanese promotion and I'm saying to myself, they are not putting over their younger talent. They are not working with their up and coming stars. They are putting over old guys. Some of them can still go. Fujita and Nakajima was a was a good match. I enjoyed it. Then you get the behind the scenes shit and you go, what the fuck is going on? I'm keeping an eye on this. It's not turning me off, Noah, because there's too many. It, 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 it clicks in all the right places for me. But where it doesn't click, it just leaves me puzzled, confused, ergo, <laughs> a little angry. And since we're talking, and since we're, we're in Japan right now, I don't know if you guys heard, but, you know, this weekend, <laughs> this, this weekend, there was, a, there was also a New Japan show that occurred. Uh, it was the, uh, the final night of the New Japan Pro Wrestling Golden Series. Specifically, it was two nights, February 19th, February 20th. The big event on February 19th had... Uh, uh, Sanada defeat Hiroshi Tanahashi to become the new IWGP United States Champion. On the 20, we got the best match that no one is talking about. We got Kazuchika Okada successfully defending the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against Tetsuya Naito. And, and for me to sit here and, and tell you guys, this is a fantastic match and no one is talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, small independent promotion in the depths of bumfuck Iowa. I'm talking about two of the greatest to be doing it today, wrestling in one of the world's biggest promotions, and no one is fucking talking about this match. It was so very... Very good. The pace was fantastic. Shifting from these bursts of, 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 of excitement to just dampering, not dampering, but calming it down. Building up drama just perfectly bad. Tons of callbacks from their previous matches because, of course, Okada and Naito, they have history with each other. Naito went, went even as far as to borrow moves from his previous from his old playbook using some of his new stuff as well but you know he went as far as to recreate the ending of uh wrestle kingdom a couple of years ago where he defeated okada uh, pulling out a stardust press hell he even pulled out a puma blanco at some point but okada the story here just had him outclassed tweaking and tweaking everything he did just to to get the the proper responses in for the big offense, countering a Valencia with a Destino on his end, uh, countering another Destino with a with a just a great landslide before ending the match with a Rainmaker. And I'm like, 
No one is talking about this. And this is the state of New Japan. Today. In the in the in the in the year 2022. We get Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Naito, who both guys can still go. Okada, still one of the best in the world. Naito, you, you know, we always talk about his knees and so on and so forth, but he is still a premier, world-class professional wrestler. And I barely saw some shrugs from the community. There's a bunch of reasons for this. Let's let's call... Let's call upon the, uh, let's call upon the, um, you know, the, you know, the, the TV astronomy, copyright, copy striking everyone's one. Sure. Let's talk about all of that. But the state of new Japan right now is not great. And there's a lot of contributing factors to that. And I think they have to look inward. They have to look at their booking. They have to look at the restrictions, the way that, that, that crowds are unable to react there's so much, there are so many problems in New Japan right now that this is its most glaring issue right here. We did get some vibe for Wrestle Kingdom because it's Wrestle Kingdom, because it's it's, it's New Japan's WrestleMania. You don't not talk about Wrestle Kingdom. But in this case here, and it's in their, these are all part of their 50th year celebrations. I'm like... 50th anniversary, right? I'm like, I don't understand. This is not a good sign for New Japan at all. And then we see the New Japan Cup brackets be pulled out. And say, oh, and Jay White's not going. Why would Jay White want to go? Why would any? Why would any of uh, uh, of the... Uh, why would any of the... the um, um, uh, the Gaijin want to go when they're in North America and they can work dates and can go around and make up for the money that their contracts got siphoned. They all took a pay cut. Why would they go back to silent audiences who can only react by clapping? Why would they do that? You've got audiences, arenas filled with people in North America that are just chomping at the bit and are up on their feet and cheering. Jesus. I know a lot of people are excited at the thought of, and Daniel Bryan this week was saying, I want to do a G1. And people, now Cesaro's gone. Claudio's back. Like, Claudio in the G1, that'd be awesome. And yes, it would be awesome. But the travel restrictions need to lift. The COVID restrictions need to lift. And on top of that, look, they announced this week their Golden Series is coming up in the press conference. A match is going to be headlined by Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and wrestling legend Tatsumi Fujinami, taking on Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., and another legend, Yoshiaki Fujiwara, 72-year-old. Yes, the Fujiwara armbar dude. That's him. You know, like, why we had a... New Japan Noah crossover show in January that set seeds on all sorts of levels. Why aren't we getting some Noah guys in this uh, on this show? Why aren't we why aren't we mixing it up cuz right now this is what New Japan needs. 
It's stagnant with the people that they have. The clap crowds are 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 sucking the air out of the joy of watching New Japan. There's a there's so many issues. So many many issues. They need to do more crossover. They need to work with more people. I don't know why we don't have more. I don't know why we don't have more uh, 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 stuff with Noah at this point. I don't know what what they're what they're waiting for to pull the trigger on. Now, don't get me wrong. Getting Tetsuji, Tetsumi Fujinami there in the match and 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 Fujiwara, it, those are big deals. You know, Fujinami, six-time IWGP heavyweight champion. He's the guy who's been who's credited for inventing the dragon sleeper and the dragon suplex. And like I said, Fujiwara, he's another legend. MMA on top of that, shoot wrestling. Like he's, these are th- th- big deals, but you know, one guy is pushing 70, the other guy's 72. Like it, it's not going to be, these are not going to be wrestling classics. These are moments, these are events, but we, and I love New Japan. I, I really do. There's so many, some of my favorite wrestlers are in New Japan. New Japan Cup brackets have been released. Now, I, I'm not going to do a complete and, and, and total breakdown of, of everything on, on, the, uh, on the, 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 the New Japan Cup uh, this week because, um, oh, because there's, there's 48 people. There's 48 people in the New Japan Cup. I'm like, my God. (laughs) I understand. I understand. Again, why they're doing this because of the business aspect, right? The restriction, the COVID restrictions are still very much in place. They can't, they can't run venues at full capacity. So on and so what, what's the solution? If you can't run venues at full capacities, you run more shows. So if you're running more shows, that means you need more bodies. If you're running a tournament, you need a bigger tournament. I don't remember. This is 48 people. And there's so many people in here. Like they they could have added more. There's people who are getting buys here. But again, I don't want to do a deep bracketology with you. Because I do want to talk about dynamite. I'll go by quadrants though. Because I think there's standout stuff here. And you can pull up a an official New Japan bracket to follow what I what I'm talking about here. But uh, the the top let's say uh, the, the the top left bracket which includes one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve people in there we have as standouts well I think the person who is going to get to the semifinals from that bracket is going to be Kazuchika Okada because he's in there because he's the champion because right now Kazuchika is in full blown Main event, best in the world, five-star, Rainmaker form. Like, right now, he's in his unbeatable form. And, like, he'll be taking on, like, 
El Desperado in the first round. Stoked to see that match. I'm a huge Despi fan. There's no way El Desperado's going forward. Master Wato, Yano, Taichi, Tenzan. Like, these people are not... They're not beating Kazuchika Okada, Hiroki Goto, Dick Togo. Fuck off. Dick Togo's not defeating Kazuchika Okada, you know. And I'm looking at this, and there's Shima who's in this. That's right, from the Stronghearts. He's in this he's in this quadrant of the bracket. So I'm seeing a quarterfinal between Kazuchika Okada and Shima. I think that's where we go with this, but Okada advances. And I I'm I'm all for this is and this is a fresh match on top of that. Okada and Shima, not something that you'll see every day. I'm that's I think is something that you should book towards. Because Shima at the same time, I don't know who he's going to... Takamichinoku, Kanemaru, no, I don't think so. Yuji Nagata, Hiroki Goto, I don't think Shima's losing to any of those dopes. He's going to the quarterfinals versus Okada, boom. I think that's what it goes like. Lower quadrant, the standout boys here. You have Hiroshi Tanahashi, you've got Tetsuya Naito, you've got Jeff Cobb. Those are your standouts here. I think Cobb definitely goes to the quarterfinals. And it's going to be a toss-up between Hiroshi Tanahashi and Naito at this point. But I think we just... Since we just got Naito and Cobb at Wrestle Kingdom, I kind of feel like Hiroshi Tanahashi breaking through, going to the quarterfinals against Cobb, who defeats Hiroshi Tanahashi... And then we rerun Kazuchika Okada versus Jeff Cobb, which was a fantastic G1 match and one that I think they should rerun again. However, I could also definitely see Okada and Tanahashi because that's a it's a safe stalwart. But maybe they'd like to mix it. I'd like them to mix it up a little bit. I think the story of Cobb and Okada is interesting because the more Cobb wrestles Okada, the more that goes, the more that counts. For eventually Okada getting a shot at the title and maybe even uh, Cobb getting a shot at the title and maybe even defeating the old Rainmaker. So I think the semifinals for that block for that for the left side of the bracket are gonna be Kazuchika Okada and Jeff Cobb. With Okada going forward to the to the finals of the cup. Let's move over to the right side of the bracket. Uh on the top quadrant, like there's there's Will Ospreay, there's Kota Ibushi. That are in there. There's Great Okan. Now I want to make a case for Great Okan here, because I think clearly New Japan are saying he is on a he's on a streak right now. He's won, he has won every single match that he's been in every singles match I should say that he's been in since Wrestle Kingdom. Just went through them all. They're clearly setting him up for something. Why not? Why not? And he's out the gate. First night, Kota Ibushi versus Great Okan. No better way to set up a good, solid tournament, get people excited, get people talking, and to have a great upset. Great Okan defeating Kota Ibushi. I could see this. There's rumors that Ibushi is not quite 100% healthy. and Whatever. Regardless, I think Great Okan defeating Kota Ibushi in the first round is much more compelling storytelling regardless. I think it makes for a more interesting bracket moving forward. 
But then it gets a little more twisty because you would assume that Will Ospreay as well would press forward, right? And he would then, uh, the way I'm bracketeering this, he would uh, he would challenge Great Ocon in the quarterfinals. Who do you have go forward? Because these are two guys in the same stable. They're in the same group, the same faction. Great Ocon, Will Ospreay. I go Great Ocon. I'm telling you, they, they are building. This guy, this year, is a championship year for Great Ocon. Mark my words. He's a singles title holder this year. So I would not be surprised at all if we get Ibushi, uh, not Ibushi, but Great Ocon and Will Ospreay in the quarterfinals with Great Ocon advancing to the semis. Maybe a bit of a hot take, but that's what I'd do. On the lower quadrant, you've got guys like... I, there's not that much of a clear clear winner here. It's one of these... One of these more, oh, we could, dis let's discuss this one kind of thing. You've got Minoru Suzuki. You've got uh, Evil. You've got uh, Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, you've got the, uh, you've got the, uh, you've got the Gorillas of Destiny, which could be dark, uh, dark horses in here, especially Tama. But ultimately with the way how things are being booked and so on and so forth, I think Evil makes it to the, makes it to the semifinal. So we get Great Ocon versus Evil in the semifinals. That's how that's how I feel New Japan their booking is these days, especially when it comes to Evil in the House of Torture. Dick Togo likes to protect his boys. And I think our final is going to be Kazuchika Okada versus Evil. Now, if we get Evil from a couple of nights ago, from last week, in his match with Tomohiro Ishii. If we get that evil, I'm excited for it. If we get House of Torture bullshit evil, that I'm not excited about. But I think New Japan Cup, Kazuchika Okada versus Evil, and I think the winner is Evil via uh, nonsense from the uh, House of Torture. Legit. I think that's what happens. I love the New Japan Cup. I love tournament wrestling. I'll be keeping y'all updated as we go along. But these are my official predictions. This is how I think this is going to go. Are you ready to talk about AEW? Dynamite? We'll, we'll dive right into Dynamite. I thought Rampage was pretty cool. Um specifically for the Jay White-Trent match. But just as a quick passing thing, I feel like Rampage is not required viewing. I think it's a fun hour of wrestling to watch, but there's nothing substantial that happens on Rampage much anymore. Um, I enjoyed the show. I don't think it was, you know, like the blow-away Rampage that we can get, but I thought the main event was great. But it, it, I kind of feel that Rampage is sort of like, oh, if you miss it, then no big deal. And I don't think that's a good thing for AEW. Because uh, they kept saying they don't want Rampage to be the B-show. Well, then don't treat it like a B-show. 
make important things happen on it. So let's skip over the dynamite. AEW World Tag Team Title Number One Contendership Battle Royal Match was won by Red Dragon defeating 2.0, Best Friends, FTR, Santana and Ortiz, Private Party, The Butcher and the Blade, The Dark Order, composed of Alex Reynolds and John Silver, The Gun Club, and The Young Bucks. Now, I'm not going to go through... Uh, I, I'm not going to go through the entire thing. Because it's a battle royal. Battle royals are what they are. I enjoyed this battle royal. I think it's it's right up there. Top three... Uh, top three battle royals that AEW has produced. In its history. I thought this was very well done. Everyone got these... These great little, these great little moments. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and then when you know when things started to thin out, you got a lot of stories. Here's some highlights. You know the Bucks and Red Dragon working together. And early on, there's only two teams, only two full teams left: FTR and Red Dragon, which was pretty cool. Um, fun little moment where Trent avoids getting eliminated thanks to Orange Cassidy, who's under the ring. Uh, you, at some point, Tully Blanchard helps. Uh, tries to help Cash eliminate uh, Silver as well. That was that was pretty cool. Um, there's this great moment with Santana and Trent who were like in the middle of the ring, just staring at each other, having a face off. Right, crowd explodes, and you gotta love that. You have to love it that people still remember. You know, an audience that pays attention and that is rewarded for remembering and paying attention and keeping track of what's going on instead of having shit retconned on each uh, on themselves every two months or so. People are like, we remember this great match y'all had. They were up on their feet cheering. They want more. There's two things here that 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 the booking committee, <laughs> that being <laughs> of one... Tony Khan, there's two things I think he has to remember out of these stories, out of these things that he was doing in this Battle Royal. FTR and the Bucks, when they had their standoff, the place got electric. And the same thing here with Trent and Santana. So he's got this, if he's paying attention, and it's his show, so I hope he is paying attention. Uh, he has to write that down in his notebook. He, 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 I'm, you know, he has a notebook just like me. <laughs> he has to write that down. FTR and the Bucks, we have to revisit this. The people want it. Santana and Ortiz, the best friends, people want it. Let's do it. Let, like, I, I think these are very, 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 very uh, salient moments that happened in, in, in this show. Um, did everyone... Did anyone notice how stiff Dax Harwood and, and, and Kyle O'Reilly were going at each other on the apron? Whew. At the end, there's Matt Jackson, Kyle O'Reilly, and John Silver left. Matt eliminates John Silver, but he's immediately eliminated by Kyle O'Reilly, which was fantastic. Like, just like... Ugh! Fantastic stuff. Just fantastic stuff. And then, on top of this really fun battle royal, post-match, 
the Bucks and Red Dragon are sort of, they're arguing with each other because they can't get along. <coughs> Hangman Adam Page comes out because he has a score to settle with Red Dragon, beats the shit out of them, right? And the young Bucks are like, oh, we'll just we'll just be over here kind of thing. And I like this. This is one thing, again, that you sort of have to keep in mind because I know there people there's still this weird division around the fact that is 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 Adam Page a good world champion or not? Is it look, your world champion just stormed the ring and he beat up a couple of guys all by himself. He's like coming out, just being a pure ass, badass. There you go. There you go. That's he that's a world champion doing world champion shit. As opposed to cowboy shit, which can actually be both in his case. Adam Cole comes in, uh, but Paige is all over him. Um, knocks him down, some ground and pound. John Silver hits a cannonball off the apron to take out Fish and O'Reilly out. Then he tosses O'Reilly back into the ring, and Kyle eats the the the, the buckshot lariat. And then Hangman cuts a promo. Great post uh, post match angle. Fantastic. Like, this is one of these dynamites where I don't think the wrestling was all that great. But the angles, everything they were setting up was super compelling. All compelling stuff. The MJF comes out. Here we go. His eyes are are, are red. They're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Teary-eyed, red, uh, bloodshot is the word I'm looking for. There we go. His eyes are bloodshot. He's sad. He tell he, as he's coming down to the ring, he says, "Cut my music!" Like he, he doesn't want the fanfare. And you know, the audience is chanting CM Punk. And he's like, "Yeah, you know what? I used to love CM Punk too." You know, and and you know, I know you guys. And he tells the audience that he knows that he he wants he wants them to boo him because he's not the most likable person in the world but he just wants an opportunity here to open himself up right he said punk last week showed a, a a photograph of him and and a young mjf and he said for him punk being that was just another friday you know but for max maxwell that was much more much more important him and then he starts breaking this down right he says in 2007 i'm 11 years old tons of learning disabilities severe add every day in school was hell is what he says but the one thing he was good at was football and he said he's going to school the next day and he's 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 got his tryout he was successful in his tryout and he's going in the hallway and he says this kid this weird kid with all these disabilities this little Jew kid, right? This Jewish kid walks in the hallways, comes up to his teammates and he says he's excited because he feels like for the first time he's going to fit in. He's going to get some friends. But they they look angry at him. They're holding rolls of quarters and they all throw the quarters at him as hard as they could, you know? And they tell him, pick him up, Jew boy, pick him up. He says he, go, he goes home and he cries, balls his eyes, his eyes out, but he realizes today... It was Friday, the day that he was going to meet his hero, CM Punk. Um, at an autograph signing, right? And the day meant 
everything to him because pro wrestling, right? He said this, right? Pro wrestling is what got him out of bed in the mornings. That's what he always loved. He loved pro wrestling just like us. He loves pro wrestling. He said that day meant everything for him. And he was when he grew up, he was going to be just like CM Punk and he was going to become the best in the world. He's going to, going to be the best pro wrestler ever. And a couple of years later, he wants to train to be a wrestler. As he said, studying tape until my eyes bled, practicing promos in the mirror until my voice got hoarse, all because he wanted to be just like CM Punk. January 2014, Punk hits the bricks, leaves all of us, but leaves him. And that's when he realized that if the best in the world can't do it, what chance does some five foot nothing Jew boy have? His words. So he went to college and pushed down all his dreams, right? Just like, nah, I'm not going to be a wrestler. I'm going to go be a good boy. Until he comes across a photo of CM Punk shaking hands with Brian Danielson, a, a photo that he saw on Instagram or whatever. CM Punk, the guy who left him when he needed him most, was there shaking hands with Danielson. And he was mad. He was livid. And he promised himself that he was going to be the best in the world in spite of CM Punk. He promised that he'd be able to do this, that whatever kid was being bullied and only had him on his TV screen, he wouldn't leave him high and dry like that gutless coward CM Punk. Does his catchphrases, CM Punk comes to the ring, no music, nothing. And there's this moment where they look at each other and CM Punk gets into the ring and he's like, and he asks him, is this true? Is this true? And MJF goes, it's true. And CM Punk is like, he doesn't know what to say. So MJF leaves and he's standing in the ring. He's like, Jesus Christ, you know? Now, I think this is, this, this promo's gotten... Universal praise at this point, right? I'm, I'm not mistaken about it, right? At this point, there is no one, or at least I haven't seen anyone going, Pfft. it's got universal praise. And I can understand. Because I think there's a lot of good in this promo. I think that, I think it's interesting for, uh, I think it's interesting to have a guy like MJF whose job is to be despised and hated come to a point where it's like, look, you know, I want to tell you guys something. This is breaking me. This is ruining me. It's taking me down. And it's dredging back some stuff that... I don't necessarily want to deal with anymore. You know, it's like this, it's what built me. This is what I am today because of what I've been through. But, you know, I think this is very interesting. I think that some nuance in characterization in wrestling is fresh as hell. Because you'll notice no one was really cheering on MJF. And you know why? Because we're wrestling fans. Because we were listening, and when I say we, I 100% identify with what I'm about to say here. 
I am 100% sitting there and saying to myself, okay, where where's the swerve? When is he going to pull one of these and go, ha, 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 you suckers, you marks. I fucked with you. Like, I'm ex- when is this going to happen, right? But it didn't happen. Lots of sincerity in this. Lots of, uh, uh, you know, CM Punk going, being completely taken aback. And it is this, like I tell you guys, I like to be worked in wrestling. I should be able to still be worked in wrestling. Wrestling should be able to do that to me. I got worked here. Because this is not the conclusion I was expecting. This is not the outcome that I was one that I was convinced was going to happen. I was like, Max is just going to tell us all to fuck off that we're all gullible. But no. He's dejected. He's broken. He was even able to push out some tears as he was telling this story. The story about being bullied, his anti-Semitism, which, by the way, was a promo and not exactly those same words, but he referenced those events in a promo he cut in MLW. So this is, there's some legitimacy to this, I would dare assume. So the great thing here for me after all of this, and and yes, very relatable stuff that MJF is, was talking about, and yet people were booing him. People were like, eh, boo. I think there were shut the fuck up chants. Because it's MJF. I think what's great here is that he positioned himself as being very vulnerable. <clears throat> and AEW hasn't, hasn't shied away from making its stars human, by making them vulnerable, by having... Like, very human flaws. Um, of course, you know, the whole Adam Page thing is, is is centered around that as well. And and I think that's very refreshing. Because it's not something that we've been accustomed to. We've always seen pro wrestlers as being larger than life. And, you know, just having always this constant focus on the ring, the ring, the ring, the ring. And then when the real world starts creeping in, you're like, oh, okay, these people are indeed human, right? And I like this. And I think that's what makes a guy like Adam Page relatable. I think that was a part of it. And I think that this wrinkle that MJF adds here is all the more interesting. And it's interesting because he has positioned himself in his mind as the hero in all of this. Because, like I said, just as we were all sitting around waiting for the other shoe to drop, because it's MJF after all, MJF is just pouring his heart out and saying, look, this guy who you guys say is your hero, your champ, he broke me. I looked up to him and he broke my heart. And I've been coming out here being all cutesy and so on and so forth. He wants to put me in a dog collar because pro wrestling? I want to tell you guys that this weirdo that you guys are cheering for, that wants to make me bleed, he already cracked me. And I'm coming after him because I have personal business with him. 
CM Punk is the good guy, right? The voice and the, the voiceless and all that. And yet here we are, we're being spun around with this, this wrinkle, this new approach, this new, the, this new vision of it, which goes to say, you never know what someone is going through or what someone has gone through. It's the same thing like when you interact with people on Twitter or whatever. You don't know what other people are going through. And MJF presented a level of humanity that we're not expecting from him. And you're like, oh shit. And that's ultimately what CM Punk is left with. It's like, man, I, I left wrestling because I couldn't take it anymore. How many other how many other kids did I or young adults or whatever? How many people did I did I sincerely disappoint then? How many people did I did I snap because of this? That is these this is very interesting. Now, of course, this could all be a magnificent ruse by MJF and next week he comes out and said it was all bullshit, you dumb bastard, you fell for it, CM Punk, you egomaniac or whatever, you know. And if that happens, I will admit that I will be a little disappointed at it. I'll be a little disappointed because the thing felt extremely real. And I will even go as far as to say this. I'll, I'll go as far as to say this. If anything, it has to stay this way. Because what this will mean is that CM Punk was is responsible for MJF. He is MJF's villain origin story, essentially. That if CM Punk never did, never became who he was, never pulled out of wrestling, we would not have MJF in the shape or form that he is today. We'd have something else. CM Punk created a monster. He created the monster that is MJF. And I think that has to stay like that because it is a very interesting wrinkle in this entire story. It's really the idea of MJF. It's really the idea of MJF. Um, it's really this idea that MJF was a good kid, you know, tried his best, so on and so forth, found inspiration, and the inspiration just broke his heart kind of thing. Created a villain. I think it's... I think that's the story you tell. And that adds a little nuance to CM Punk Super Babyface, right? The hero, the, the you know, the, the wrestling Jesus making his return, you know, apologies for the blasphemy, but you understand the, the analogy that I'm making coming back to save wrestling returning in, oh, in this, yeah. this this ultimate perfect form only to realize that he's human too and that his actions that the fact that everyone has considered him such such as a greater a larger than life character as we were talking about actually had some very real world implications for very real human beings. I think it's an interesting wrinkle. I think it, I'm very curious to see how they're going to work this next week. And I'm going to tell you, 
I mean, it's something that I wasn't expecting. Felt good, as you guys know. I'm was a little low on the MJF CM Punk thing. I felt they were going around in circles. You know? This was fresh. And I'm very curious to see how MJF is going to use this. Because MJ, MJF knows what he's doing. And this is this is emotional manipulation. He knows what he's doing. Excited to see how it goes down next week. Let's keep this ball rolling. We had Death Triangle uh, defeating the Kings of the Black Throne. Brody King and Malachi Black. Uh, Death Triangle... All right, specifically, Penta is now has now resurrected his Lucha Underground dark persona, Penta Oscuro. And Alex Abrahantes has been revealed as being Death from the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure film. Can I say, and I'm not asking permission, uh, JR was specifically cranky but not not peculiarly he was overwhelmingly cranky i thought on last night's dynamite annoyingly so and jr when he, when there's something he doesn't like he's just like outright and says, i don't understand or he gets surprised when people react positively to it or he's like oh, look at this and it his job is to put people over. He's on commentary and he's supposed to be telling you viewers at home, the product that you're watching right now is good for this reason. And not going, well, oh, Lee Moriarty with an awkward suplex when it's a fucking Saito suplex. Or starting to mumble and get all ornery when... Danhausen gets huge reactions and he doesn't understand it. So it's not your job. Sometimes I think he's all he thinks is he still has a podcast while he's paid to put a product over. That's his job. I think the only time JR is happy on Dynamite is when Wardlow's on TV. I mean, Penta hits a diving crossbody to the floor. Brody King does this. Look, he puts Pac on Penta's shoulders, right? So we're in a, a an electric chair position. Brody King winds up Lariat's Pac, who falls back. But in the meantime, but as he's doing it, he he does a poison rana on Penta in one of the wildest things I have ever seen. In wrestling. I was like, how did this just happen? Then Brody King does a Topi Suicida. Penta interrupts uh, Malachi Black with the mist and he rolls him up for the win. Malachi Black getting pinned is not something we've seen very often in AEW. I don't know if this is a byproduct of the Cody verse no longer being around. And then we get the debut of Buddy Murphy, who 
shows up to beat up on the baby faces and officially be a part of the House of Black, Buddy Murphy, what, Buddy Matthews, excuse me. But Buddy Matthews is there, fantastic. Uh, look, all I can say is uh, we'll finally be able, we'll finally be able to have Kenny Omega and Buddy Matthews in the same ring and they're going to have to do the, the Spider-Man point. Matthews is great. He's fantastic. And he has amazing, he has great chemistry with Black. They're fantastic together. Uh, this is great shit. Just great shit. You want more great shit? Let's talk about this Eddie Kingston, Chris Jericho promo. Fantastic stuff. And I thought Eddie Kingston was going to eat Chris Jericho alive here. But Jericho swung and it was great. Eddie says he doesn't know why they're doing this setup here because he's not a sports entertainer and he wants to fight. And he... And the pop of the nut. This is what got me out of my seat. He calls Tony Khan in the back and he says, instead of doing this, send out Chris Statlander and Willow Nightingale so that we can have some real wrestling on this wrestling program. Out of my seat, standing ovation is what I gave. And I'm sure if you've listened to the Mr. Warren Hayes show a few times in your life, and you, I am convinced that you at home heard, heard me cheer. I am sure you were like, Warren's pleased about this. Goddamn right. Goddamn right I was pleased. N nailing my two biggest problems with pro wrestling on North American television. Too much talk. Not enough women wrestling. Could have cut this shit in half. And put Statlander and Willow in a match. The Eddie's right. Eddie's a hero. Jericho says, well, we're just down the road from Stamford. So he says, I'm going to tell you a story. He says, everyone in the locker room was so excited when Eddie Kingston was coming, but he had never heard of Eddie Kingston. And when he thought about Eddie Kingston, he... he he thought that he, we were talking about Eddie Edwards. Then he saw him and he realized that he didn't know who he was because he looked like a jobber. Right? And apparently this is a shoot, right? Because apparently they talked about it on Jericho's podcast a while back. But then he saw his match against what's-his-name marking the official first shot. At the post-Cody Road era. Just need to under, underscore there. Because he said he saw Eddie's match against What's-His-Name and the promo after. And he knew Kingston had what it took to get to, to the top of the pile. And people would make him a baby face. And Kingston goes, what's a baby face? And, like, and Kingston's like, why the fuck are you talking? Why are you, why are you using insider speak? What are you doing, you know? And then he realized, he being Jericho, that Eddie was jealous because Jericho had made 
the big time at 22 years old and Eddie didn't make it until he was 38. And he had already headlined pay-per-views and made millions and so on and so forth. And then he's sort of like, all right, here, do you want a cookie? You know, kind of thing. Because he doesn't care. The only reason he's done all this stuff that Jericho's been did all that stuff is because he wasn't there. Says he doesn't leech off of people like Jericho does. He's not like those carnies. He does things in his own way and he'll be himself until he dies. Kingston says he doesn't want to talk to him because he's sucking the blood out of him and his heart doesn't pump Kool-Aid like his does. And that's, oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, Jericho starts pulling out the family history of uh, Eddie Kingston talking about his failure of an uncle, failure of a father. And, you, you know, Eddie's like, careful, careful. Um, and he says, Eddie, and here's the thing, Eddie can't beat, can't win the big one. And this company, Chris Jericho's the big one. Not Moxley, not Danielson, not Punk, not Hangman Page, Chris Jericho. But if he does manage to beat him, you look him in the eye, shake his hand and respect him. And this is a point that Jericho hammered home. Eddie can't win the big one. And I'm the big one. And he, Jericho brought that back a couple of times. And I, and this is what we're going into at the pay-per-view. Because there's going to be the Magic Revolution. And this is this is what we're going. And, and Eddie says, look, he gives him a warning. He doesn't want the Mimosa match, Jericho. <laughs> he doesn't want the Jericho who fell off a cage. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. He wants the Chris Jericho that was the first AEW champion that bled buckets in Tennessee that got respect from uh, 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 from Tenryu in war, who, which, who is one of uh, uh, Kingston's uh, idols, one of his heroes. The, he wants the Chris Jericho that turned, that turned WCW upside down that his close friend Levesque hated because if he doesn't get that Chris Jericho, Eddie Kingston is going to eat Chris Jericho alive. What a fucking fantastic promo by one of the absolute best promos in all of wrestling. Chris Jericho bringing his A game, which had been... Not which he hadn't been bringing for a while. Let's be honest. Eddie, man, there's such truth and authenticity in everything he says. He is he is a guy that I I just listen. I gobble up every word because every word is meaningful. Every reaction is true. It feels right. I Eddie Kingston. I said it before. I'll bring it up again. Eddie Kingston is the modern day Dusty Rhodes. And not just because of the fact that he can cut amazing promos, is that he cuts relatable promos every single time. Sold me a ticket for this match. This is a match I, I am excited to watch at Revolution now. And this is not the first time that Eddie Kingston has pulled this off. We're in one promo. I'm like, all right, son, I'm in. You got me. Here, take my money.
You take the title off of Paige. You put it on MJF for a while, right? I think that's the plan, right? I think inevitably, I th I think the greatest story AEW can tell moving forward is the world championship aspirations of Eddie Kingston. I, it is going to be the most compelling, relatable program that they can run to push Eddie Kingston to the top. Because at this point, this is something that that I'm convinced every fan wants. We got another Face of the Revolution qualifying match. Ricky Starks defeated 10. Not much here. Good to see the ladder match putting in a lot of fresh faces here. You know, because we got Hobbs defeating uh, um, Dante Martin on uh, uh, on Rampage, which I wasn't... I thought they were going to go with, with Dante. Good to see Hobbs get some shine here. So, it's all good. AEW TBS title match also happened. Jade Cargill successfully retained her uh, TBS title against the Bunny. Neither woman's finest hour, if we're being honest. Post-match was a lot of fun, though, with Ty Conchi uh, placing herself as uh, the next challenger, coming to the ring. And it was fun because as she was standing nose-to-nose -nose with, with Jade Cargill, and the Bunny comes in to attack her. Right, because uh, they don't like each other. They've been feuding. Uh, dive into that history. Give me more of that. I, I, I love that shit. And then Anna J comes out for the save, of course. You know, great stuff. And then the main event, where Brian Danielson defeated Daniel Garcia via referee's decision. Is officially the call here. Danielson wrestled this match like he was the leader of a dojo, right? Like, you know, just like, son of a bitch, get ready, you know. I love, I love the gut wrench slam into the Jujikatami. Every time. Every time Danielson does it, I get a shiver up and down my spine. It's great stuff. Garcia uh, chop blocks Danielson and works the leg throughout the match with some dragon screw leg whips and just working the knee. Good stuff. Uh, Danielson suplexes Garcia to the floor, hits a running flying knee off the apron. Danielson legs leg locks Garcia, who counters into a leg lock of his own. So they're both having got each other in a submission. Great stuff. That dragon suplex into. A cattle mutilation got me out of my seat. And then they're in knuckle locks and they're trading shots with each other while holding the knuckle lock. Just fantastic stuff. The foot stomps by Danielson. The triangle lock with the with the pose, with the flex. God, I love... Danielson's fantastic. Just absolutely fantastic. 2.0 come out to attack Dan uh, Danielson after the match. But then Mox comes out for the save. They stare at each other. and, and so on. Anyway, The match is made for revolution. John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. There's a, I'm telling you, that card, man, stacked with great stuff. This match was good. 
you know, I just fantastic match for my television wrestling. Um, I think they're, they didn't go all out here for obvious reasons. I think there's a lot more that this pairing can give down the line and that I'm excited for. I like the idea of the young guy going after the vet and then challenging him in a, in a few months and trying again. And maybe the match is a little longer. Maybe he's got a little more up his sleeve. You know, it's like, you don't have to rush into things. It doesn't have to be a five-star classic. And it was not a five-star classic, but you know what? It was a, it was a good fucking match. It was a lot of fun to watch. And what more do you want out of your wrestling on television on a Wednesday night than to just watch a, 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 a good wrestling match between two good professional wrestlers? In my opinion, that's all I need. So I'm excited to see how this goes. I'm excited and I'm good. And I'll, I'll say it again. I think the Brian Danielson, John Moxley stuff is the best, the best shit on dynamite. It's been for, like this for weeks. This, all of this stuff about we should form a dojo. We should form our own group of, of, of kids to, and just like snap arms and cave heads in. I fucking love it. No nonsense. This has all been good. It's all been extraordinarily good. F focused on the wrestling, man. That's that's it. That's what they're there for. You know? I love it. Uh, we'll wrap up the weekly wrestling inspection. How about that? Absolutely, positively, 100% want to thank everyone who is joining me, who joined me today, who who Ooh, graced yeah. who graced the stream with their presence, who uh, as we recorded live, or who are joining us uh, uh, on on voice uh, voice. Let me start over. Or joining us on video on demand at your own at your own uh, uh, pace. If you like this, leave a video. Uh, God damn it, leave a like. I'm swear to God, swear to God, the stroke is coming. And um, <laughs> or on your favorite podcast application, leave a review, some star ratings, all that great stuff. And Anakin JMT left us a parting super chat. Thank you for very much. He says, "What more do we want?" Following up what I said, "What more do you want?" Contract signings, of course. Contract signings. We're getting one in AEW. I am very disappointed because contract signings suck. They have always... No. Not always. They haven't always sucked. But they are... They're a terrible, lazy wrestling trope. They suck. They're terrible. Don't ever forget that. But I'll tell you what's not terrible. All of y'all who join me live on Thursday nights, who take the time to, out of their days to listen to me, to watch, I appreciate it so very much. Thank you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for your support. I hope you guys have, because we're hanging in there. We're going towards the weekend. I hope you guys have a great weekend. See you Sunday for AEW Revolution Preview. Bye.